Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and the Johnny Bench to his Pete Rose, Jake. Going old school there. Gives you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides. And for the latest updates, information, and picks, you can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Monday, June 6, 2022. And this episode covers all the Major League Baseball games. There's only six of them. So extra yeah. innings is uh, going to get rained out today, I feel like. <laughs> In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model for win probability, hitter and pitcher projections, and I analyze weather data in order to make one pick and one pick only on every game that's played Monday through Saturday. That doesn't mean I recommend you do the same. I'm just giving you the information as to what I like the most and where my head is for each matchup. As we go through the plays, remember that there are no locks in gambling, so it'll give you our loves, likes, and leans to help you decide which picks you might want to play and how I recommend scaling wagers. With that in mind, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say it will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler uh yesterday we we had our first losing day in seven days that was an incredible run um it was a lot of fun yeah yeah that that's that's a way to pad a bankroll there exactly yeah yeah 15 percent roi last week uh i i i i'd love to say that i feel like we're gonna have another week better than that later on but we might not i mean that might be as good like that's incredible uh especially especially and, and i feel like i I've thought about like typing this up on the website or I don't want to say this like every day in the episode for sure. And I, uh, but I'm, I'm making most of my picks like at one time at one book. So I'm trying to penalize myself because I never want to be in a situation where my record and my win is better than y'all's. Like it's a situation where I'm trying to handicap myself with just this one book, make picks at one time and I'm picking every game. So it's kind of like a, you should be doing better than I am. And so I feel like a 15% ROI given the constraints of the official picks is extremely difficult yeah. to do um yeah, it's really impressive that was just a that was a hot hot streak there it was it was and hopefully we get that going back again today still uh the, the week was fantastic enough to get us uh positive for the season up a handful of units so that's exciting and before we get to today's slate some reminders please hit that like button if you're on youtube also if you aren't yet please consider subscribing or following it's free and the only way assuming you turn notifications on to ensure you don't miss any college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. Share with a friend if you know others in the game. Hit us up on Twitter or drop a comment if you're on YouTube. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. I encourage all my listeners to have multiple sports books in their portfolio just because I'm making picks from one book. That's just because I want to, again, have like the baseline handicapped of, you know, y'all can do better than this if y'all shop around. So I encourage y'all to shop around, get better numbers than I'm getting. I've got a couple of extra books that I recommend. The links are in the show's description and on the website, www.pickswiththeprofessor.com slash sportsbooks. Uh, Jake, today, and I get another day of no day games. I don't understand how we can't figure this out, right? Just throw one out there for us. Right? Give us something to watch this afternoon. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, maybe they were thinking there'd be some college baseball because, you know, finished up the regionals. There's a few of those out there. I must say, there are probably a few. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't. I've only paid really attention to see we cleaned up last night, so I don't know who's still playing today. I know. I know there's at least one uh, in the afternoon, at least one at night. I don't know if there if there are any beyond that. Um, yeah, if you're if you're into the college baseball, uh, that was a lot of fun this weekend, and we'll go in with the the supers next week, uh, which is a lot of fun. And this is where we start seeing odds at these more sports books, right? It, yeah. it, as it gets further and further, if your if your if your book is not offering odds on that. Um, just yet you know it's like as we get further and further along it's, it's more likely to show up there 
I, I don't have a model for college baseball. I wouldn't even know where to begin. And those are a lot tougher. JK, we've talked about this before that it'd be a lot of fun, but it would require just starting from scratch and trying to hunt down data sources and whatnot. But the, the problem with a lot of the college baseball, and it makes it, it's, it's different, it's fun, but it's just a whole, di whole different mindset is that so many of them are like four, like a run line of like four and a half. And you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Like what's not quite the same mindset that we're used to with baseball. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> like I've been playing it just because I've been playing Tennessee and they're really good. And it's, it is tough. Like I, they went, they had four and a half line on all all three games this week this weekend and went two of three on it almost went three of three but it's and two of the games waited till the ninth inning to jump out there so it's oh, wow. just it's nuts like and the way the ball goes and especially like some of the fields like I noticed uh, I know Tennessee is complete turf there's no dirt except for the mound and there's several of them out there and so the ball takes crazy bounces and it's just a wild game. Yeah, it, it, off a wood bat, you sometimes see that, like a place like Tampa, right, where the ball will hit, take a really high hop. But off that metal bat, even though it's been dead in over the last couple of years, sometimes the balls will just go go down and then just take sky high hops. It's like just that extra little velocity off the bat can make it do weird things. And, and it's always, I always think it's tough with college baseball, especially in the regionals, and, and to some extent it, in the in the supers. When you get to Omaha, there's a lot tighter lines, which at least helps, but. It becomes a tough situation because you're trying to figure out like who's using their better pitchers when who's saving who's kind of like okay let's pack this one in let's go for the next one or you know who's you know up six and doesn't really care so they're trying to like save their pin and throws like their worst pitcher you know it, it gets to be a, a, a tough, you almost have to really like be following the teams and kind of know what their mo is uh in some of those i feel like yeah or you can get football and basketball scores out there if you're what Oklahoma State Oklahoma State and Missouri State yeah basically played the same game in baseball that they played in football <laughs> it was... yep uh MLB wise today we've got 640 Eastern first pitch Diamondbacks at Reds a game I'm concerned if it gets played there's a lot of rain in the area so this is likely a rain out um probably less than a 50% chance it happens. If it does, the temperature will be nice. It'll be upper 70s to start, low 70s to close. No real wind to speak of, of course, in the Hitters Park in Cincinnati. Madison Bumgarner versus Hunter Green. I'm going to talk about these pitchers uh, here today, especially because if it does get rained out, this will get made up as a doubleheader. Um, maybe if it'll be the same two pitchers, I can kind of skip over it tomorrow and say, hey, go back to yesterday's watch um and talk about other games a little bit more in depth it's a really interesting pitching matchup Bumgarner's been a guy I've been writing and his results have been there but I've kind of been noting that I'm a little bit concerned about the underlying metrics um Hunter Green's kind of the exact opposite his ERA is up in the sixes but his advanced metrics are not nearly that bad they're not good but they're not that bad and his projection is actually pretty good and so it's a situation where if you just look at the ERAs you would say you definitely want to be on the Diamondbacks. I'm not so sure as I project Green to actually be a better pitcher, to, I mean, tonight or tomorrow, if this game happens tomorrow, right? Not just like in the long term, obviously going forward, you know, in 10 years, Hunter Green likely still pitching in the major leagues. And I guess to be fair, in 10 years, Bumgarner probably still will be too, but that's a whole other situation, right? Uh, I like Hunter Green in this one. I'm going Reds minus 109. It's not a huge edge. It's a B great pick for me the model says reds minus 111 and the reason i like the reds again it's a little bit of a model edge but on top of that i think there's always value in 
I think that the pitchers are opposite of what their ERAs show because I think there's just a little bit of extra value that we're getting um, that if you just look off of this year's results, you would probably favor the Diamondbacks a little bit more. So like I said, I think we're just getting a tiny bit of extra value on the Reds. Minus 109 at home. I think the Reds can get it done. Be great pick for me. Uh, Jake, what is your two cents on this game? Um, I, I tried and tried and tried to find a route that I wanted to pick away in this game, and I can't because you're right. Like, I think Bumgarner's been getting more lucky than good so far this year, and which, you know, part of that is being an old old man river here and knowing how to work things and the umpires and stuff like that. Being crafty, right? <laughs> yeah, but he, he's just not been the same guy, which he can't be after however long he's been playing. And then Hunter Green looks great, but on just a bad team and catching some bad breaks. But I, I just – I couldn't make myself pick one over here. But, like, do you – how much does the crowd factor into your home field advantage? I know it's more about the field and being able to play there and stuff because, I mean, a lack thereof of in the Reds. Re- really nothing. Uh, home field is basically the same for every team with the exception of the Rockies get a differential home field because historically they've they've always been a team that has had bigger home roads. But everyone else is the same. So, yeah, crowd would be – uh, no effect uh, on in in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's no effect in Cincinnati anyway. Exactly, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not like college, like college basketball, which is the other the main one that, that you do. We, we talk about that, right? I have differential home courts there, and I I give a different home court edge for you know Duke at home than like Duke, right? It's just like a whole different a whole different uh, situation there. Um, total in this game is nine and a half. I really wanted to go over the total. If it was nine, I'd really like going over nine. Nine and a half is just I don't know. It probably goes over, but I just I couldn't quite get there. It's like it fell right behind the Reds. If if you if you don't like the Reds, I think over nine and a half is probably the other way I would go. Again, probably a game that gets rained out anyway. Um, which is said, you don't want rainouts. You don't ever like rainouts, but like on a day where there's 15 games, if there's a rainout or two, it's like no, oh, whatever. I couldn't pay attention to all of them anyway, right? There's six games. Like I don't want I don't want to see these rained out. Let's get our six games in, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, at least have something to watch. Exactly, exactly. Um, Seven ten Eastern first pitch Rangers at the Guardians. John Gray versus Cal Quantrill in a nice temperature night in Cleveland. Upper eighty, or excuse me, eighty degrees to start. Mid upper seventies to close. Winds blowing out to center field at ten to fifteen miles an hour. A chance of rain, it's hard to know if it's going to hit or miss. If it hits, if the rain hits, it's going to be ugly. If it misses, you won't even know that there's rain in the area. So a game that I think is more likely to get in than down the road in Cincinnati, but one that we are definitely watching the radar on there in Cleveland. Quantrill's a pitcher who's overperformed his projections. Gray's one who's underperformed his projections. That has me a little bit concerned, but the edge is just too big to pass up. I'm going to take the Guardians minus 110, a great pick for me. The model says minus 125. And as much as I, and I just talked about how I really like the idea when we get a pitcher who is um, outperforming his metrics, uh, or should be underperforming his metrics for someone who's outperforming it, because I think that trend's going to eventually reverse. And I like the extra value we get. Even though that's a setup here, I couldn't back the Rangers at the price that they're being offered at. I think this is a name recognition situation where people are saying that Gray is the better pitcher based off of the name and they're really respecting it. He is the better pitcher, but just not by this much. I think the Guardians um, at home win. I think they should be favored by more than this. So a great pick for me on the Guardians. As much as I'm 
hesitant because Gray is better than his results have been this year. I still think the Guardians at this price makes a lot of sense. Total of nine. With the wind blowing out, I really want to go over. But with these two teams, I just can't get there. Um, I'm just sticking with the Guardians and ignoring the wind blowing out. Minus 110, a great pick for me. Jake, what do you got? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Guardians get this one done at home. Um, I kind of like Quantrill. I know he's not really shown shown us much this year so far, but um, I'm I'm kind of I really like him. I have in the past, so I think they get it done. And Gray, he's he's been really good, but I just don't like that. I don't think this Rangers team can get it done offensively to keep up. Jose Ramirez is having a heck of a year right now. I mean, he outside MVP kind of candidate year. He's up there in top five and like home runs and leading the whole MLB, I think, in RBIs and doing well in stolen bases and everything. So it's just he can carry them to win. I like but man, uh but I really like Guardians here. Um I also I'm kind of watching it because right at my edge. I want to take the under on Gray's strikeouts, but it's at four and a half and that's right at the edge because he's a very good pitcher and has done very well with strikeouts this year, but the Guardians lead the league in not striking out, which is a good thing to do. Um, so it's kind of one of those uh, immovable object versus unstoppable mm-hmm. force kind of thing. And uh, but, so four and a half is right at the edge. I really want under five because I, I or under five and a half because five. I don't want to lose on five because I think that's where it lands. But that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think under four and a half still makes a lot of sense as well. Gray has averaged five innings per start this year, and that's probably a little bit low based off of every pitcher early on wasn't going very deep. But uh, I, I I don't see Gray getting past the sixth for sure. If he goes, you know, five and a third or whatever, like you said, with the way the Guardians don't strike out, I mean, I think four makes a lot of sense as a finishing number. I'm with you. If you could obviously get under five, at least get that push protection. That's always uh, valuable there. But I think, I think I'm, I could go with you there, especially depending on how you think the game's playing out. If you think that the guardians can work the count, get a few runs off of gray, maybe he goes five innings, gives up, you know, two runs or something before they go to the bullpen. And then you're in really great shape at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of what I think kind of would tend to happen, but like I said, I want the push protection and, there's a chance he shows up. Like I think his last outing, he had 12 strikeouts, and then a couple before that had eight. So he's he can he's got the stuff. He can do it, yeah. So that's why I'm a little nervous on it, but I'll, I like watching that one. Yeah, uh, of course the Rangers bullpen not good. I've been talking about that most of the season. They had um, a lead, what a three run lead yesterday, and then blow that one and lose it. So uh, the sooner we can get into the Rangers bullpen, the better that. Bodes for our Guardians play. Guardians bullpen, very average. Um, at least the benefit with the Guardians bullpen is that some of their top-end guys are pretty solid. It's just that the they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, so if the Guardians can you know, hang in there and it becomes a battle of the bullpens, I like Cleveland's chances even more. Again, model takes minus 125, so Jake and I are both on Guardians minus 110, a grade pick for me personally. 18 Eastern first pitch, Blue Jays at the Royals. In a nice night in Kansas City, starting off about 80 degrees, closing in the mid-70s. No real wind to speak of. It'll be under five miles an hour for most of the night. Ross Stripling versus Daniel Lynch. Uh, Stripling is a pitcher who uh, 
kind of feels like the poor man's Bumgarner, right? Just like he's been around for a long time, you know, obviously not as good, but has had some decent stretches and kind of just always looks solid, you know, keeps hanging around. Um, solid advanced metrics on the season uh, kind of projects to be run of the mill. Lynch, on the other hand, I think is exactly what you see. His ERA is close to five. His advanced metrics align with that. His projection aligns with that. Not a good pitcher. Um, as of this moment for the Royals, obviously he's still not, you know, we're not writing him off yet, but so far just hasn't been able to put it together for the Royals. Model says Blue Jays minus 154. I'm, I'm passing on the side of the Blue Jays at minus 165. It's just a little too pricey for me personally. I think the Blue Jays probably win this game. They have an edge everywhere, literally, in this game. So it's 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 I, I would not take the Royals unless you gave me some crazy high number. Um, but instead of laying that price, I'm going to go Blue Jays team total over five and a half. It's even money. And it's it's a B grade for me. I think the Blue Jays offense is getting it going. It took until the ninth yesterday for us to get all those extra runs. But in general, they've been scoring a lot. The Royals um, not going to throw a good pitcher out there to start. And whoever they bring in relief, probably not going to be any better in a relatively hitter-friendly park. I think the Blue Jays can score a lot of runs in this one. In general, I think Stripling holds the Royals down. I think the Blue Jays win comfortably, but just in case he doesn't, I think this is a little bit safe for Babette just because the odds, again, even money is always great. Uh, be a great pick for me for the Blue Jays to get at least six runs tonight. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Blue Jays. I know it's a little pricey, uh, but sometimes you just need that, that win to keep the cushion going, like, you know, just a little little bit of extra in the po- your pocket, maybe even, like, time into like a two two game parlay kind of deal just to get a little extra odds to be a little safer because um, they win the vast majority of this time the times for this game but because uh, the Royals are bad and then I, I think you're right the blue blue Jays seem to get it begin to going and there's not a weak a true weak part in that lineup and especially with Guerrero jr it's gonna be uh, <laughs> it's, it's got to be tough to go against that guy and we're gonna see him for a long time. But, yeah, so I really like the Blue Jays here. Yep, I agree. I Personally, I'm staying away from the side. I just think it's a little too pricey. Jake, you're comfortable with the price. I, again, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, it's just, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe you split your bet up a little bit, you know, and you could look run line as well. Run line isn't a bad angle as well, especially with the Blue Jays on the road. It's one of those situations where I kind of think between run line or Blue Jays money line or this team total over, I kind of think all are pretty solid plays. Um, it's either, to me, it's either kind of split your wager among those or, you know, just take your personal preference, right? Some people really don't mind laying the odds. They want the money line. Some people really hate laying odds. I think go for the run line. Again, some people like to isolate things and just say, Hey, I don't know what stripling does, but I mean, this Blue Jays offense against Lynch and like I said, whatever the Royals throw bullpen wise, maybe the Blue Jays only get to five, but they, I don't see a situation. I, and you never know anything can happen in baseball. Right. But it's unlikely that we see a situation where the Blue Jays are shooting at, you know, two runs in the ninth inning and you're needing a miracle to get over. It's like they should score some runs and at least have a chance they're late in this game. Yeah. And obviously the hope is that they get out and, you know, get six runs in the first four innings and then, <laughs> and then everything's looking great, right? Yes. <laughs> um, 8-10 Eastern first pitch Mariners at the Astros. Robbie Ray versus Christian Javier. Um I don't know what there is to say left about these two guys. If y'all have been watching the show for any time, I've talked about both of them. Ray is a pitcher who was a lot of fun to fade at times earlier this year. At some point, people are going to realize that he's not that good. I don't think we're there quite yet. I don't think it's priced right yet, but it, it, I think our time is running out on fading him. 
because his results have been very bad. He's got a near five ERA. And while his advanced metrics aren't that bad, he's not a Cy Young caliber pitcher, despite how good he was last year. Uh, it, you know, he kind of caught lightning in a bottle and great for him, but that's just, he's just a, an okay pitcher. Um, but he's not, he's not great. And I think people still think he's great. So anytime you can get a, you know, solid pitcher who think people think is great, you're going to have some good, uh, you know, good success going against them. And that's kind of what I think about Ray. And then I think Javier, I think it's the exact opposite. He's a pitcher I've talked about all season that I really like uh, for the Astros, a very, you know, pristine 241 ERA advanced metrics, you know, not that good, but still, still very good. It's hard to, you know, have, a, you know, a FIP or an XFIP or an expected ERA or any of the advanced metrics you want to look at in that low two range, but still very good advanced metrics projects to be um, better than Ray on a per inning basis. The benefit is that Ray is more likely to give you a little bit of depth inning wise. It's of course where he's got the advantage, but um, while I expect Ray to go deeper into this game than Javier, the innings that we get from Javier project to be better than the innings that we get from Ray. Astros have an edge in the bullpen. Astros have an edge in the offense. The Astros are at home. There's just too much to like here with the Astros. I'm going minus 156 is the number as of this morning. That's an A grade pick for me. The model thinks minus 165. I doubt this number gets that much higher just because I don't think people are going to be interested in fading Ray that much, but I think it's the right move. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know what else there is to say other than the Astros should be much bigger favorites. If you take the names away and just look at the numbers, the advanced metrics or whatever, I think this number would be higher. I think it should be up into the high 160s, maybe minus 170. Minus 156, I think it's great value. It's the Astros for me, a grade pick. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was with you. I, I thought a few years ago when Robbie Ray kind of bust onto the screen, uh, a handful of years ago, kind of bust out there, I thought he was going to be a superstar the way he was doing it. And then kind of died off there for a minute. And then last year, I was like, okay, he's figured it out again. And uh, apparently I, he had me fooled because um, he's just not, I don't know, he's, he's good, solid, but never going to be great kind of thing. So, yeah solid but not great yeah it, javier is one of my favorites i've been watching for a while especially from a like fantasy perspective i've been dying for him to go a little bit longer because he yeah. just goes he's very very good and if you haven't watched him he's a lot of fun to watch tonight tonight might be the night since there's not going to be that many games if, if you haven't really sat down and watched him yeah. but i'm with you on the astros i'm taking the astros here they're a very good team and i mean i know ray can go longer, but I don't think he really ever will because I think in this Astros games because the offense is going to get to him and pull him out before before he gets tired. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my. I think Javier's going to dominate this game really. And, and it's a good point where we talk about the fact that Ray, on average, you know, goes deeper into games or whatever. But with him and and he and again, he's a good pitcher. I don't want anyone to take away that I think he you know that he's awful. Right, no. he's a good pitcher. He's just not that great pitcher that you know last year was a great run for him he's just not you know at that level you know in my opinion the advanced metrics opinion the projection opinion but with a good pitcher what you tend to see is you tend to see that link happen when they get rolling against a weaker offense and a weaker offense he's a guy who can go out and go eight innings one run that type of thing but against a better offense that's when good pitchers get hit around and they you know struggle to make it you know past six innings, that sort of thing. And so it's it's less likely that he can go eight because he probably – he shouldn't have as much success against a really good offense uh, like the Astros. Um, Javier, they keep talking about lengthening him out, and 
he, his pitch count gets a little high. He's never thrown a ton of innings, so I think they're just kind of treating him with kid gloves a little bit, which isn't crazy, especially given that the Astros, they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Um, there's not, you know, huge incentives to try to, you know, at this point of the season to do anything crazy with their pitchers. Maybe you get later on, you're looking for, you know, a buy or whatever, that sort of thing. Uh, but right now it's, you know, they've been cautious with him and it makes sense. Uh, but he's got that, like, they call it the invisible uh, fastball that he, it rides differently than most pitchers. So when you watch his fastball on TV, you might just say like, oh, he's just got a run-of-the-mill fastball. Uh, but it just has a little bit different of a delivery in how he hot, how he releases it, how it gets out of his hand. It's harder to pick up. Um, and that's one of the – that's the pitch that makes him um, – go from, oh, I think we can hit this guy to a lot of times really good results. Um, but like I said, it's a treat to watch him. He he always he always looks good. Um, it's just how many innings can we get out of him? Can we yeah. get can we get a fifth inning out of him? Can we get him into the sixth? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was thinking about this while you're talking. Uh, maybe Robbie Ray just needs to uh, sign one-year deals so he can always be in a contract here <laughs> and then have yeah. a little extra motivation because maybe that's good because he's had two of his really, really good years. When he was trying to get paid. I mean, that makes sense. We all work a little bit harder when we're trying to get paid, right? Yeah. <laughs> 9.35 Eastern, first pitch, Red Sox at the Angels. Uh, we'll be in the low 70s to start in Anaheim, upper 60s to close. A slight breeze out to left or left center in the 5 to 10 mile an hour range. Um, so slight breeze probably offsets with the, as it gets cooler, um, temperatures. Probably a, a relatively neutral environment there weather-wise. Maybe a tiny, tiny boost from the wind, but it won't be too much. So Hitters Park in Anaheim, if you're with us on YouTube there, you see that park factor of 103. Michael Waka versus Noah Syndergaard. Waka is is maybe maybe stripling a Waka are the, the good comparisons. These two guys, so you just never know what you're going to get from year to year. They're all of a sudden, they'll be in the bullpen, then they'll start, then they'll be a swing guy, then they'll be, I mean, who knows what you're getting from these guys. Um, fantastic results so far this year from Waka, but the advanced metrics and the projection are not friendly to him. It seems like it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors versus Noah Syndergaard, who, you know, obviously used to be fantastic. Now just seems very Jekyll and Hyde. He'll go out there in a start and look fantastic, and then he'll go get lit up uh, i don't know if his last start or the one before that where he faced the yankees and you know give up like eight runs or something like that um you just never know what you're getting from him overall that, that mixed bag reflects in the numbers zeros around four his advanced metrics right around the same thing uh projects maybe a tiny bit worse than that but uh, two pitchers who don't really project favorably two offenses that can score taylor ward of course on the IL now for Anaheim. So that definitely hurts their offense. Um, but a situation where I still think we can get over the total here. The number's nine. I'm going over nine. Odds are minus 104. B grade pick for me. I don't trust either starter. I don't really trust either bullpen. They rate out at about average, but I just do not trust either pen. Um, the Red Sox offense could get nine by themselves. Um, the Red Sox bullpen can give up nine by themselves. <laughs> I think there's more ways this goes over than under. Uh, I like the minus 104 over nine. B grade pick for me. I just can't quite get there on an A because we've seen both offenses, especially without Ward for Anaheim, just completely disappear at times. So I'm just, I can't quite get to that A grade there personally based off of that. But my distrust of the pitchers and the bullpen is greater than my fear that the offenses don't show up. So I still think over is the way to go. I'm just, I'm not 
quite there to an A pick personally. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm with you on the over. Uh, Syndergaard has been my kryptonite all year. I can't figure him out. So I'm going to take it out of his hands and <laughs> allow him to either blow, blow it up and let the Red Sox get us all the way all the way over the nine or him have a good game and hopefully the Red Sox walk up blows it up. Um, yep. Like I was a little side bet. I mean, Trout's in that slump. I'd probably be taking him to get a hit as a little, if you can find that anywhere. Just keep doing it because it's going to happen. He's too good of a player. And right, like, a, you know, it's. I feel like now is the time it's going to happen because he's finally getting over that, you know, like, I mean, he's getting all the Roger Goodell treatment for his commissioner of his fantasy football. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, it's, he's, it's probably getting to him. Hopefully he's been able to take a break from looking at that and, He'll finally get back on board because the Angels are going to need him with Ward out. Yeah. The, that offense gets real thin after him and Otani with no Ward. Yep. Yeah, they're they're you know one of the guys involved in that you know scuffle. I don't remember which one said that Trout was the worst commissioner in the country in fantasy sports or something. I'm like, that's quite a bold statement. Like, there's a <laughs> lot of fantasy leagues. I mean, yeah. you've got. I mean. I don't, I'd have to do some, you know, back of the envelope math, but I mean, you've got hundreds of thousands of people running fantasy leagues in this country. So for him to be the worst, I mean, that's quite a bold statement. It's like to be like, you're the worst driver in this country. It's like, there's a lot of people who drive, like you could be really bad, but like to be the worst is like a special place, right? Like I, I truck can't be that bad, right? <laughs> is, he, is he really mailing it in that much? <laughs> I don't know, but how, I mean, how many physical confrontations have you seen from fantasy leagues? I mean, that's... Uh... I mean, we haven't seen them, but they have to be out there, right? Like, you know, people get people get upset about this stuff. Um, and, of course, talking about fantasy always just reminds me of, you know, like the, the Waffle House elite, yes. right? Where the, it, I've always we, – we've joked about this, you know, for those of you who, who are new, we, we've talked about this before. Jake and I are in a fantasy – in a dynasty league with prospects, NL only. So it gets, it gets pretty deep. And so it's a lot of fun. We were joking around about – our own version. We should do something like that, you know, do the thing. And for those of you that are familiar, uh, I think it's fantasy football and the loser has to go and sit at a Waffle House for 24 hours and he gets to drop an hour off of that for every waffle he eats. And these people will, like live tweet it and it's a lot of fun. Um, just the like depression, the super full, the like not, you know, do I eat another one or do I just sit here for an hour? Like, what do I do? Uh, it's it supposed to be a lot of fun, but yeah, like I said, not, maybe not a lot of physical altercations, hopefully around the country. Right. Yeah. And I always love the little like last place punishment of making them go back and take the ACT again for the bunch of oh, high school gosh. kids. Like that's because <laughs> I know, I know I'd bomb that now. I, oh, I'm sure I would too. I'm sure. Yeah. I could do, I do great on the math, right. As a, as a statistics professor, I'm still involved in the math. Now I, I, and of course I say that there's definitely some geometry things that I haven't seen in years. So I might, even bought some of that. I could hang in there, but the English, uh, I would just be so <laughs> awful. I, I, you know, antonyms and synonyms and all that other stuff. Like, I, I, I is, is there sports gambling terminology? I could do that, right? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, be fun. Yeah. Uh, last one on the night, 940 Eastern first pitch, Mets at the Padres, uh, mid 60s in San Diego. No real wind to speak of because it'll stay mostly under five miles an hour. Carlos Grasco versus Blake Snell. Uh, this would be Snell's fourth start of the season. Uh, not great results so far. Underlying metrics better than his results, uh, but not great. It's just kind of okay. He projects to be a little better than average uh, versus Carrasco, who so far been great this season on the whole. He's had a couple of rough starts, but, but pretty pretty good um, in his 10 starts. Uh, both these pitchers project around the same, and I think that makes sense. I think that 
Snell has a little bit more upside, but Carrasco's been pretty solid this season. I think both are pretty solid pitchers. Um, model says Padres minus 120, so I'm taking the Padres at minus 102. Quite an edge here. Uh, A-grade pick for me. I think the Padres should be favored in this one. Their offenses project out about the same. The Padres' bullpen still projects better than the Mets' bullpen, but both of them can be kind of scary. We saw the Mets' bullpen struggle yesterday. Um, they did get the win, but almost blew it against the Dodgers. Um, Padres' bullpen has been definitely up and down all season. You saw even some more of that this weekend uh, as well, but still projects pretty good. Uh, it, this is a situation where the model says the Padres have a 54.5% chance of winning, and you start off at the home team at 53%. That's your standard home field edge in baseball. So. Basically, the model says if this is on a neutral site, the Padres are slightly, 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 slightly better. And I think that makes sense, right? I think these starting pitchers are probably a wash. I think the offenses are probably a wash. The Padres have a slightly better projected bullpen. So, I mean, that all lines up. I think it makes sense. The fact that the Mets are favored in this game doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Padres run even money is a gift. A great pick for me. I think the Padres should be favored. Maybe not by a ton, but the fact that they're home, they should be favored in this game. And what should be a really good game. I love the minus one or two odds. A great pick for me. Jake, what do you got? Yeah, when I saw the line, I, I jumped all over the Padres for this. This was one of my favorites of the day. Uh, and, I mean, both pitchers are doing really well. Carrasco, is, I don't know if I just had a bad opinion of him or what, but this has surprised me. He has looked exceptional so far, except for, like, I think two starts where, mm-hmm. where he gave up a just stupid amount of runs. But, like, other than that, he has just been way up there and, Part of this is probably my, my Braves fan inside hoping the Mets aren't this good, <laughs> like waiting for them to Mets it up. Um, so, but I, but really, the Padres at home is a really good team. That offense gets going. Machado is incredible, uh, especially if they ever get to bring back Tatis back. That that would just be great for them. Uh, Hosmer's doing well. They're they're just loaded throughout the lineup, and I, I think. Honestly, I think the Padres' bullpen is better than the Mets. Uh, I mean, I know it's hard to count a Dodgers blow up on your bullpen against you because of that lineup, but it's. I think that's the weakest part of this Mets team, and I think the Padres will get to them. I think it, this will be a real tight game, but I think the Padres will get it late. Yep, yep. And, and you talk about Carrasco. I'm kind of with you there. I think mostly a good pitcher – a couple of mediocre seasons, you know, maybe just one mediocre season thrown in there, but then being out for so long in general, a lot of times the, it's one of those things where you don't expect the pitcher to come back like that and be as good as he's been. So I think, you know, our expectations coming in the season were more, maybe he'll be mediocre, but he's, like you said, he's been really good, um, which is always a nice surprise when a guy comes back from, you know, what he's come back from uh, to pitch well. So great story. Obviously love to see him doing well, um, but like I said, I think as good as he's been, I really think that uh, Snell, again, only the three games so far come back from the injury. Uh, but I think these pitchers are both pretty right there with each other, both good pitchers, pitchers ballpark. So it should be relatively low scoring, total seven and a half for a reason. Um, if you believe the my projections for both bullpens being good, under seven and a half makes a lot of sense, I think, because the um, offenses, while both good, neither of them at this point rate out to be exceptional. Um, both are just good offenses. Um, so under seven and a half, I think makes a little bit of sense in a pitcher's park. I just think the Padres are the way to go here. Way, way disrespected here in a game that they should be slight favorites in minus one and two. 
is a ton of value in my opinion. I'm with you. Uh, usually, you know, we got nine games here, right? We got nine innings, you know, in a yeah. baseball game. So we'll go nine games, right? And uh, I think this one, I guess today's episode gets cut short by rain, right? We only had a six inning game today. <laughs> it's enough to get it in. Enough to it's, enough to, it. enough to, it's still an official game because we got the six, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got recap of my Apex here for us. I've got the Guardians minus 110. I've got the Astros minus 156. And I've got the Padres minus 1023, A grade uh, money lines for me today. Jake, you have any parting words? Not really. Um, there's just not much going on at this time of year besides baseball. So when they have a light day, it's kind of rough from a sports watching yeah. perspective. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out the Google Sheet for model picks, projections, and results. You can find that link and more at the website, www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. If you haven't done so yet, please click that subscribe button to ensure all the sports betting content we provide on this channel is dropped right into your feed. I will see you tomorrow. And until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.